With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. From NBI Studios, this is Truth and Justice, a crowdsourced investigation in real time. I'm Bob Ruff. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Truth and Justice. This is your Friday follow-up episode for this week's bonus episode that featured Maggie Freeling. Uh, Maggie was on uh, upon Zach's requests, uh, mostly to talk about her work on Murder and Alliance. Uh, but it was also a good uh, chance for us to just kind of catch up and, and chat a little bit. So seemed like a lot of you guys enjoyed the episode. I'm glad you did. We also heard about some of her upcoming projects. And we have even more developments on the West Memphis 3 case, and we're going to talk about all that right after break. Texas Ranger James Holland is a legendary interrogator. They call him the serial killer whisperer. You can't hide those indications, and that's why yesterday I knew that he did it. But now, shocking interrogation tapes reveal how the super cop really operates. And that's why they asked me to come in, because I'm special. From Something Else, The Marshall Project, and Sony Music Entertainment, this is Smokescreen. Just say you're sorry. Listen and follow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. All righty. First thing, I mean, just just like last week, I'll lay a little groundwork for what's going on uh, with the West Memphis 3 case to so you guys have a little better idea of these questions that are coming up. Earlier this week, I believe it was on Tuesday, Damien Eccles' legal team officially filed a petition with the court to test DNA. Which, you know, for the nons, now they're trying to spin a new argument because prior to that it was, this is all this is all a publicity stunt. And if they really wanted it tested, they'd file a motion. Well, as I said, they were going to. They filed the motion. Uh, the motion, because we don't have a joint motion with the prosecutor agreeing to it. If we had, uh, if that had happened, we were just going to, you know, what we originally had agreed to with Ellington was that they were just going to test all the evidence. Basically, you know, just a huge list of everything, ship it all off. Uh, because Cressman doesn't seem to be supporting the motion. He still has 30 days to reply to that brief, which, you know, I'm still hoping that this reply says that he's not opposing. I don't think that's what's going to happen, uh, but there, there's still a possibility that that's what could happen next, that he could say he's not going to oppose it and let it go. But because it has to go before a judge, you have to get very specific. So in this particular motion, they have filed just to test the ligatures using MVAC technology. Um, so that now has, has already been filed with the court. And the next step in that process is for uh, the prosecuting attorney, Keith Cressman, to, to file a response to that motion. So that's where that's at right now. I'm trying to think of any other housekeeping. I don't think there's anything else going on. Other than that, so we I, we can get right into. It. I guess first we'll t- we'll we'll talk a little bit about Maggie's episode. And, and Zach, you said you had uh, you had some some yeah. revelations. Uh, I'm sorry. I, I just need to apologize 
like right now. I'm I'm sorry. <laughs> so we'll we'll go back for a second. So last week you talked to Josh Hallmark, and I am an idiot and didn't know really anything about Josh Hallmark or his podcast. And we discussed it. I heard him talk about it over you talking to him. I realized kind of what his podcast was, but I even asked on the air what his podcast was. Uh-huh. He told me it was this whole story about Israel Keys. Right. I was under the assumption that his podcast was a one-off because it's called True Crime Bullshit. Right. So I thought it was like kind of a comedy spin of like, we're going to sit around and bullshit about true crime. Mm-hmm. Not what it is. Not what it is at all. So here comes my second apology. I almost missed listening to this week's Truth and Justice uh-huh. because I've been binging True Crime Bullshit. So you like it? I like it a lot. It's really good. Yeah. So True Crime, I should have asked, had Josh explain this, but the origin of True Crime Bullshit is in the FBI tapes where they were interviewing Israel Keys. He says something along the lines of, oh, it's it's that true crime bullshit. Yeah, that he doesn't want to become that true crime bullshit. Right. Yeah, I didn't. I caught that. You know, it's in the, one of the first episodes. I caught yeah, that, yeah. but I didn't know that's where he got the title from. So, like I said, I'm an idiot. I thought it was like, ha-ha, we're going to bullshit about true crime. Clever. And talk about it. That's what I thought it was going to be. So, I'm an idiot. I'm sorry, Josh. I'm sorry, Bob. I'm sorry, listeners, that were probably screaming at me, going, you're an idiot, Zach, that this is, uh, this is not what it is. <laughs> well, for those of you that didn't, maybe, but maybe this is good. Maybe uh, as we were just, we just discussed a whole bunch of stuff on the, the Patreon uh, video prior to, prior to starting this uh, about Zach putting things out there that might educate and help people. <laughs> yeah. And now there maybe there's a listeners out there that didn't listen to Josh's show because they thought it was. You know, this guy bullshitting about true crime. No, it's phenomenal. It's really, really well put together. It's well, it's, it's, it's like just a good podcast. Yeah. Very, and, very and well it's done. Very binge worthy. I, like I said, I almost missed this week's episode with Maggie, even though I was the one that said I wanted to hear from Maggie. And now you can explain why you wanted to hear from Maggie. If, if you haven't listened to Murder and Alliance, please go listen to Murder and Alliance because I'm going to spoil some stuff for you. Spoiler. So just so you're aware. So over the course of Murder and Alliance, she kind of comes to the revelation that he could have possibly been the, the actual perpetrator. Mm-hmm. And it was huge. And, and the ethical side of the podcast is really why I wanted you to talk to her, because I don't know that that's ever really come about the way that it came about, you know, in real time like that, where she, you know, over the course of the podcast had believed he was innocent and then had this revelation of like, oh, shit, like this guy may really be the killer. Well, and, and, and that was tough, tougher than even a lot of people might think, because when you listen to it, you see like Maggie didn't just think that he was, it was David Thorne, I think is the guy, yes, David Thorne. Um, that, that he was innocent. Like she fully believed and, and came out strong, really was strong. swinging for the fences the whole time. I mean, they put up billboards. They did all sorts of things. Mm-hmm. And, and for her to have that, you know, that moment and to really come out there and then decide to put it out there. I think that was huge. And that's really why I wanted you to talk to her was to see that ethical side. Right. I don't think that's talked about enough in true crime is the ethics of true crime and what should we put out there and what shouldn't. Right. And that kind of leads us to our first question, something that we discussed on the show. Okay. Sarah says, you mentioned there were things you were finding in the Deb Perringer case that were causing you not to be so sure of her innocence. Can you remind us of what those were or had you gotten a chance to speak on them before we stopped the case? I had talked about them. If you if you remember, listening to that season, there was the 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 big issue was there there was we were finding a lot of evidence that Deb was innocent. You know, it, I, off the, you know, again, that's been a little while ago, but I'm off the top of my head, 
that the neighbor saw a man in the backyard at the time of the murder. That was a pretty big deal that her alibi seemed to check out. But it was, you know, there was if you remember, she said she was at Target and um, the detective went to Target, pulled the surveillance and then claimed didn't collect it and claimed there was nothing they could see. We heard from somebody who worked surveillance uh, in at for Target at that time, and they said that's complete bullshit, that they actually had some of the most highest tech, high-quality cameras available at that time. There's no way they wouldn't have been able to identify her. So there was, there was these things leading us towards innocence, but then you know, it was, it was real hard to get past her blood being on the scene mm-hmm. in multiple places and where it was at. And then, and you have to forgive me, I'm trying a little sketchy on the details, but there was the letter that was written. The the timing of that document was really strange. Yeah. And there was, I remember at one point it seemed like, oh, that had to have been her. Mm-hmm. She ha- And then, and then we found, I don't remember the details, but if you at least listen back to season 10 um, or season eight, you'll, uh, you'll hear me go through it. But there was a time where I was like, oh, she's guilty. She has to be because, the, but then we figured out. That the timing wasn't wasn't quite there, um, so that she still could be innocent. But it was just it's a tough case, you know. As we got into it, it was just like, how do you get? And it was, you know, her explanation for how the blood got where it was didn't really line up. But then it was like, well, but if she did it, then why is there this guy in the backyard? And there, you know, the profile didn't seem to fit. So it was just there was just a lot there, and it was we were right at that climactic point where I was not so sure where to go next. And then she ended up passing away and we moved on. All right. This question's from Rena. We're going back to the Maggie Freeling episode. Could you do a live episode with the captain, Maggie and yourself, Bob, please, please, pretty, please. Your listeners would love it. Uh, absolutely. Um, as a matter of fact, we were trying to work something like, I don't know if it would be a podcast episode, but we were trying to work out uh, a live show in Ohio sometime when Maggie's there. You know, Captain and I have done a few live shows together, so that may be coming. But uh, but yeah, I would I would love to do that if we can if our schedules can be arranged. You know, of all the I have a ton of friends and a lot of people I know in the true crime podcast space. But I would say that Maggie and Captain are probably two of my uh, along with along with Josh Hallmark are, are some of my the people I'm the closest to, and I definitely have a lot of fun with with all three of them. So if we can if we can make that happen, uh, I'm, I'm sure it can be arranged. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire. Huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No Kirsten says if Bob and Maggie were to get matching BFF tattoos, what would they be of and where on your bodies would you put them? First of all, that <laughs> there was a couple of Facebook threads 
so I didn't even think at the beginning of the episode, Maggie and I started talking and I asked her if she got some work done because she was showing, or maybe she was showing a little more chest meat than usual. Mm -hmm. And several people thought that I was suggesting that maybe Maggie had had, um, uh, breast augmentation surgery or something. Yeah. So (laughs) kind of real Maggie and I were on zoom and so Maggie could see me gesturing to the area on her neck slash chest where she had a new tattoo. I think that came out in the episode. Yeah. But there's, <laughs> I could see how that could be maybe, maybe taken a different way. As far as if we gotten matching BFF tattoos, uh, I'm going to, I don't know if the, I haven't, I have not pre warned her. I'm going to tell you what I think while you're doing this. Okay. I think you guys need some kind of cheap beer tattoo because from what I know of both of you guys both love cheap and expensive bourbon. I see. I know that about her, but I know that you guys both love cheap beer because when I hung out with you guys, you guys drank cheap beer to the point that I was almost disgusted with you guys' (laughs) choices of beer. It makes sense. Let me, let me see if I can get Margaret to answer her phone. It's not looking like she's going to pick up. Uh, Maggie is unavailable at the moment to help me answer that question. Um, the cheap beer, maybe we, we get, cause I have also, I don't know if you remember the first night we hung out in Austin, Maggie and I were, Maggie was doing a flight of bourbons. Oh, she was, you're right. Mm-hmm, down at her you're end right. of the table and I was drinking my bourbon. So maybe we get a hashtag cheap beer, expensive bourbon tattoo. Where on our bodies? First of all, Maggie doesn't have a lot of palate left. She's kind of covered from. Well, she's not toe. very big either. So. Right. She's a, she's a tiny little woman. Mm-hmm. Her and she's pretty much covered up. I don't know what she's got going on her bathing suit parts because I've never seen that. But but Jesus Christ, everything outside of that is covered. But I'm sure we can maybe find a spot on uh, on on each other on our backs. Maybe there you go. That we can squeeze something like that in. Uh, all right, moving on, Mike. <laughs> Lynn says, "My favorite part of Maggie's murder and alliance." was listening to her investigator from Jason Baldwin's Proclaimed Justice organization reply when someone said they wouldn't talk to him. Have you studied his interrogations for your own training? No, I haven't studied John's interrogations, but I think John and I have the same training mm-hmm. uh, where that comes from. You know, I was, I was trained in read technique and then several, you know, throughout my work as an arson investigator in, in various other um, interrogation and interview technique trainings. And then I've been, since then, I've been mentored and taught quite a bit by um, Jim Clemente, who we all know is a close friend and a, a mentor of mine. But yeah, John, John's good. You know, he was, he, he keeps his foot in the door, mm-hmm. you, know, you know, so he's, he's very good. You hear, you know, when somebody does, they didn't want to talk and I do the same thing. It's like, it's like, Oh, totally understand. You kind of accept what they're doing and saying, I just, you know, I just, Real quick, you try to ask that you try to throw out an intriguing question on your way out mm-hmm. that might get them to engage is what you're looking to do. And John John does that very well. Phenomenal job of just continuing to talk. Yeah. There's multiple times throughout the podcast you'll hear where someone says they won't talk and John gets four answers out of them mm-hmm. afterwards. Like, okay, yeah, totally understand. You know, we don't want we don't want to bother you. I was just, you know, I was just wondering what you thought about the you know, XYZ. And like, oh, well, you know, and then they start talking and you just kind of keep your foot back in the door. He's very good at it. But no, I've never studied John's technique, but I'm, I'm certain we've probably had the same training. Mike says, in every single wrongful conviction that I've heard about, there's always been something malicious on someone's part, generally in the police office or prosecution office, from something as simple as a subpar investigation to taking someone to trial with a flimsy case 
or that they know didn't do it. Have you come across any cases where all parties did things as they should have, the jury just got it wrong, and it was later determined that the person was innocent? Yeah, I, I, I'm having trouble thinking of an example off the top of my head, but I mean, you got to remember that I, I screen and review you know, hundreds of cases uh, that people have pitched to me for the show. And I've definitely come across a few where it looked like they were, I always say like a wrongful conviction happens for one of two reasons, incompetence or misconduct. Oftentimes what I see is the problem starts with incompetence and ends in misconduct, meaning they, they make a mistake, a legitimate, honest mistake, or they have blinders on, or they miss something early in the investigation, which leads them to lock into a certain suspect. And then they make the arrest, and as they're approaching trial, when they start realizing, oh shit, they may not, th- this may not be the right person, maybe, may, or that evidence maybe isn't enough, then is that is a lot of times when you see them start bending the rules to continue to make their case because they can't let go. But I've certainly seen cases, and again, I can't think of an example off the top of my head, but I, I've certainly seen cases where it was just you know an honest mistake, you know where where. You know, somebody, maybe there's DNA for somebody that's found at a crime scene and they just don't investigate any further and they don't look into other leads. And then, you know, the jury's presented with a pretty clear case of for guilt and they convict. And then later on, you find there's more, there's more to the story. So in those cases, I would consider that more incompetence than misconduct. But yeah, they, they certainly exist. But the ones that you typically see on a podcast are the ones that involve uh, misconduct. Uh, and, the, and the reason for that a lot of times is because usually if there's misconduct, then there's an open path of an investigation in the right direction, meaning the the evidence that led would lead you to the real truth was intentionally ignored. You know, for it to be misconduct, it means they, they had to have been able to know they had the wrong person but went the wrong direction. And that opens the door then for us or other true crime podcasts or other investigators to come in. And go find the truth because it wasn't hard to find to begin with. That's why it was more misconduct. And that's why the, those are the ones that end up being more um, uh, more publicized. Because if it was just incompetence, they just didn't do a good investigation and everything they did find pointed them in that direction. Well, now you got to go try to find evidence years later that that we don't even know if it exists. So what you just said, honestly, kind of th- makes me think of like the Jamie Snow case where they really – they didn't have a lot of leads, but they also didn't have anything to prove to really prove that he wasn't there at the time. Right. And then, and what happens there and what happens in a lot of cases, as a matter of fact, the, our season 12 case that we're going to be launching into here pretty soon, the similar story where they didn't have a lot of leads. They hadn't figured it out early on. The case went cold, just like in Jamie Snow's case for years. Mm-hmm. And then a cold case investigator comes in and they're the ones that start breaking the rules. Sarah says, you guys seem to have a lot of close friends with their own podcasts. Do you ever ask them to use their platform to bring attention to your causes? For example, when you need signatures or crowdfunding. Yeah, definitely. And we we, um, we call them ad swaps. But a lot of us that are kind of networked together in the business and friends will help promote each other's content. And yeah, certainly when we're trying to do you know crowdfunding, or I guarantee you if we end up getting approved for this DNA testing, we need to do crowdfunding. You know, you will, we will put together a funding site and it will be, I guarantee you, shared on anything Maggie's doing, anything Captain's doing. It'll be shared on anything Patrick and Jillian are doing. 
you know, true crime obsessed and there are other shows, um, you know, so, so yeah, I mean, it, it's, it's a great, great community that'll, that is always willing to work together. So I, obviously, as it said, you do have a lot of friends in this industry. And in the last two weeks, we've kind of talked about ethics with Maggie and we talked about with Josh. Have you talked about ethics with anybody else, like podcast ethics with anybody, you're, uh, you know, the guys from True Crime Garage or Gen Y or any of those guys? Yeah, it comes up a lot. As a matter of fact, we talked about it quite a bit on True Crime Binge. I did a live, speaking somebody asked about doing a live episode, I did a live show on True Crime Binge. That leads me to something else when you talk about at CrimeCon last year with Nick and Captain. Mm-hmm. And it was fun, you know, as, as you can imagine, it was a fun episode. There was a lot of laughing, but there was some serious stuff too. And we, and we talked about, because they have, a, they live in a different realm. Mm-hmm. Nick and Captain on, on True Crime Garage do one-off episodes. Yeah. It, it, every week is, a, is another case. Sometimes they do doubles and triples, but that's the genre of true crime that a lot of time people will attack and say, you know, it's salacious, it's exploitive, you're not doing anything. And, and Nick talked a lot about you know, where they try to always respect the victims and they're they're breathing new life into those cases. So there, there's there's a purpose behind what they're doing. And you know, a lot of them are unsolved cases. A lot of them, the victims were never, you know, were never discussed that it was always the killer was the one that, that made the news and they'll they'll try to fix that. So, yeah, but that comes up a lot. And I think they struggle with it more than we do, because a lot of times they're talking about these cases and it's, you know, we're just going to take this case where this guy killed someone and talk about it for an hour. I know that they have a lot of internal talk where they're like, okay, how do we, how do we do that and be respectful and and do it with a purpose? And they do a great job of it. So does Gen Y. They they really do do a good job, but it just seems like a, a really tough issue to deal with over and over again mm-hmm. to try to figure out what you should put out and what you shouldn't put out. Right. I mean, to deal with the victims, to deal with these crimes. Like you said, they do a really good job of bringing up these these unknown crimes to try to help bring light to them. Right. I mean, that's, it's all tough, you know, with what Josh was talking about with trying to, you know, talk about these victims, but not rehash it so much that it brings it up for the family because it, because it can destroy the family afterwards too. Mm -hmm. Yeah, they do a great job. And on that topic, one, y'all should go listen to the true crime binge episodes, including the one with Josh and the one with, uh, captain and Nick for that was live. Um, but that's the one where I bring beer and they yell at me cause the beer is not cold. And right. You brought us warm beer on yeah, stage. It was a whole ordeal. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but that that reminds me that, um, I have been officially invited to crime con. I can't talk a lot about what's going on, but there, I wasn't sure I was going to go mainly because of where it falls in time. It's the last weekend in April. And it falls right between a couple of trips that I have to make. Uh, and it was just, it's just going to be a lot to get there. But I was enticed to go. I'll, I'll, I'll tell you this there that I will be speaking on the West Memphis three case at CrimeCon. I may be joined by someone. I, I'm just real careful with it because a lot of the stuff isn't confirmed and I don't know what I'm supposed to share, but I will likely be joined uh, by someone that you will love to see me be joined with. Uh, to talk about the case. There's another person connected with the case that uh, nobody has ever really heard from that may be that, that may be also speaking there. I may be sharing a stage with that person as well. There's a lot going on that for me, I decided that I need to go that, that I, I, I definitely need to be there to do this. So I am going to go to CrimeCon this year. Uh, it is the last week in April. They did give me a code um, so if you go to the CrimeCon's website and use code RUFF, 
you get, I believe, 10% off general admission tickets. And, uh, and please, if you're going to plan on going, please do that. Cause I, so for us, you know, that part of the reason it's hard for us to go is, you know, it's an expensive trip. They don't cover our expenses. You know, we have to pay for, we got to pay for flights down there. Um, so that's me and Becky. And then, um, uh, and then I'd like to have Zach and maybe his wife come down too, but all those expenses add up. But as far as, or what they do do is, Based on the number of people that use our code, they will cover our our room, our hotel while we're there. So that it helps a lot. So if you're going to go, please get on there. Use code Rough. Uh, we don't get any money from that, but that helps us. You know that 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 gives them that lets them cover our hotel costs while we're there to keep the cost down. Because I'm hoping to be able to bring Zach along with me when we go. Um, so ch- check it out, especially if you have any interest in the West Memphis Three case. You know, there's. You know, I know myself, other people, there's, there's, there's a lot of mixed feelings about CrimeCon, but I'm really happy about what they're doing. And I think it's going to be very powerful and it's going to be very important. Otherwise I wouldn't be going. So I am going to be there. I'm hoping maybe have Zach with me and I'm hoping to see a lot of you there. So you're going to buy those tickets and, and very likely that that's where a live show with me and Maggie and, uh, and the captain may happen. It's going to be a great time for sure. I would, I'm I'm really hoping to go. So yep. So go to crimecon.com or what I think that's what it is, and use code rough, and uh, that'll give you a discount. It'll help us out. I also got an invitation to CrimeCon UK. I don't know if I'm going to do that because that's that's a massive undertaking. It's also like a month later, yeah, so it's like sandwiched right between all. I've got a family vacation coming up this summer. We've got our great, we're, you know, Zach and his wife and Becky and I and another couple friends are, are going to Mexico in early April. There's just, there's a lot happening, um, right around there. So I don't think I'm going to be able to make it to the UK, but we'll see. I'd love to go there, um, if we can, but meanwhile, CrimeCon US, it's in Las Vegas. It's the end of April. It's like the 29th, 30th and 30, 29th, 30th and May 1st, I think something like that. Code rough. That'll get you 10% off. Your tickets and would be very much appreciated. And uh, with that, Mike, you said you had one more. And I will share that. I know I don't share a lot. I, I share a lot of personal stuff, but other stuff, not so much. But I, this episode's a little shorter than, than normal. Uh, I know I mentioned to you guys that I had some family stuff going on uh, that we've been dealing with over these last months. That's kind of occupied a lot of my time. Uh, my father-in-law, my wife's, my wife's dad passed away this weekend. And so this week we have today actually have um the visitation and the funeral and stuff like that so um we need to get this thing done and and get moving so we got one more question mike and then we're gonna go ahead and wrap this up hey guys it is ryan i'm not sure if you know this about me but i'm a bit of a fun fanatic when i can i like to work but i like fun too it's a thing and now the truth is out there i can tell you about my favorite place to have fun chumba casino they have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week you can play for free anytime anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses so join me in the fun sign up now at chumbacasino.com no purchase necessary btw void were prohibited by law see terms and conditions 18 plus okay our last question is from jennifer to put to rest to this question do you know why the west memphis three have chosen to test only the ligatures of the evidence that was found. Yeah, as I mentioned at the on the outset, because this is is probably going to be a contested motion, they the lawyers have to get 
very specific with their request. They can't you you can't write a motion to the judge saying we want to test all evidence. They they have to say we want to test specifically this evidence in this manner. And I I don't I haven't I, I haven't talked to the attorneys specifically about why that decision was made. I was part of some earlier conversations about it, but I think I think the big reason is that it's more likely to get approved if it's more reasonable there we we believe because they have to they have to they have to show this is why we want to test this evidence in this way um and they can easily do that with the with the ligatures it's because you know the anything inside of that knot should have been protected by the water there's a high likelihood of finding dna in there we and we had something that we know the killer touched so on and so forth so I think that's why, and that doesn't preclude, you know, they, they can come back and, and request more testing from them. But we, we kind of feel like the best chance we have to find legitimate DNA that's going to uh, solve this case is going to be in the ligatures. Now, if we, if we test the ligatures and we find DNA and it's identified who it is, uh, then, then certainly I would expect from there, okay, well, let's test more if they need to build a stronger case against whoever that person is. So – that's why they're doing that. They've got to be very specific, and they're they're trying to be reasonable and manageable. Something that will that will get approved by the judge, and we're hoping that that will happen very soon. And, and along those lines, a couple things. So this week's uh, main episode that'll be in two days on Sunday. I'm actually I actually interviewed Jared Bradley, who is the CEO and president of MBAC. Uh, he had reached out to me when the evidence was discovered, and just you know, kind of congratulated me on the fact that the DNA has you know, or that the evidence has been found again. And offered help in any way that he could to make sure that the testing process is done properly and just that it's done right and in a timely fashion. Uh, I reached out to Jared and asked if he would come on and kind of explain the origins of MBAC, how it works, and how it could relate to this case. So that's going to be this Sunday. Uh, next week, I'm not quite sure yet. I think what I may do is go through and break down this. So it's, it's, I think, a six or seven page petition. Uh, Whatever, as I said, the personal stuff I've got going on right now, things are a little tricky right now, but. I may go through and break down that that petition if there's enough there. I'm not exactly sure what we're going to do with that. But one thing that I think is is really interesting is that from this point forward, you guys, this show and my name will be forever a part of the official record of the West Memphis 3 case. I was as I was reading the petition, I was kind of shocked to see, I don't know why, but I was I was kind of shocked to see that that my name and this show is is all over that uh, that petition that was that was written to the courts as part of the reason why we're doing what we're doing. So um, that's hats off to all of you. I think it's 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 really cool that 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 you know we got into this. We started covering that case because we wanted to move the ball forward and hopefully solve it. And we're at least making an impact that we've got it this far. Um, so stand by for more information. Keep the pressure on again in a respectful way in social media with Cressman anywhere you can on social media to try to push him to agree to the motion to test the evidence. And with that, um, unless you got anything else, Mike, I think we're going to wrap this up right here. That's it. All right. Thank you guys for joining again. Make sure you check out Sunday's episode with Jared Bradley, the CEO and president of MBAC. And we'll talk to you guys next week.
Truth and Justice is an NBI Studios production and is distributed by Wondery. Produced and edited by Mike Bussing, and all music for the show is created and composed by PutThemInASong.com. Our follow-up logo was created by Zach Weaver, and all of our font across all of our logos and banners were created by Tate Krupa of Red Swan Graphic Design. You can find more of Tate's work on Etsy. Thank you to Katie Ross of CreatedInTandem.com for designing, creating, managing, and maintaining our website, Truth and Justice Pod, where you can view all photos and documents discussed in every episode. And a big thank you to our transcription team. Pamela Westby, Kathy McElhaney, Charlena White, Kaywood Yomnick, Ginger Fiola, Edith Swanneck, Lindsay Pease, Erica Cantor, and Jen Reese Incandela. And as always, thank you to all of you for all of your engagement and support. If you like the show and you'd really like to support us, you can do so in a number of ways. To financially support the show, you can go to patreon.com slash truthandjustice. On the Patreon page, you can pledge as little as $3 a month, and we also have reward levels on Patreon that include access to behind-the-scenes videos of the tapings of our Friday follow-up episodes, ad-free versions of all of our episodes, Truth and Justice Army t-shirts and hats, and even the opportunity to co-host one of our Friday follow-up episodes. You can also help us out by going to iTunes and leaving us a 5-star rating and review. And lastly, you can always support us by supporting the companies that sponsor this program. If you have a new case that you'd like us to consider for future seasons, you can submit your cases on our website, Truth and Justice Pod. Just click the case submission button and fill out the form. And the most important thing that you can do is engage in the investigations. You can keep in touch with us through our email at theories at truthandjusticepod.com. You can like our Facebook page or join in on the conversation on the Truth and Justice Podcast fans page. For all of you tweeters, you can connect with us on Twitter at TruthJusticePod. To follow our personal accounts on social media, I can be found at BobRuffTruth. Mike can be found at Murb Gaming, M-U-R-R-B-G-A-M-I-N-G, and Zach is at Z to the Q. And don't forget that we always have our 24-7 voicemail line open for questions, comments, and tips on our cases. That phone number is 269-224-2833. However you do it, stay engaged, stay in touch. But as for now, we're signing off. I'm Bob Ruff. I'm Zach Weaver. And I'm Mike Bussing. And this has been Truth and Justice.